It's His will to heal everybody of everything. Now, there are reasons why people don't get healed. I'm not talking on that a whole lot today, although I am addressing it from the standpoint of definitely lack of knowledge or wrong knowledge or error would cause a person not to, not to be able to get it. Because remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith for healing comes by hearing that is God's will to heal you. Faith for finances comes when we teach on abundance. Faith for the gifts of the Spirit come when we teach on the gifts. Faith for healing does not come when we're teaching on finances. <laughs> now, I might operate in the gift of the Spirit if I'm teaching on something else and call things out by word of knowledge, gifts of healings, my healing endowment that God gave me, but that's a little different operation. You need to begin to catch up with me in your thinking about this. See, when God activates something by gift of the Spirit, that's, that's Him reaching out to you through the gifts of the Spirit through a minister like myself. But if you'll learn what I'm teaching you right now, you can activate your own faith and get your own healing, whether I get, I get a word that covers your case or not. You're, you're never left without help if you listen to what I'm saying. Anybody... I don't care who they are if they're teachable. And that's the problem. Some people are not babies. What I mean, they're not babies in teachableness. They're babies maybe in spirituality, but it, babies get taught if they're teachable and they grow up out of that stage. Some people come with preconceived ideas about what God does and what He won't do and all kinds of silly, foolish thinking and that causes there to not be any faith for healing. Now, you know, this is important. I don't care if you're here today and you haven't had a headache in 10 years and you're just, everything's functioning right in your body and you're just sitting here carefree. You think, well, I don't need that. You're just the one I'm talking to. Amen. That's right. Because as long as we're in this planet, I'm talking about earth, we're going to have to deal with the devil because he's the author of sickness. I'm going to prove that in just a minute. And uh, you're going to have to deal with your body. You're going to have to deal with your faith. And if you don't have faith for healing, you're going to have to do without it. We're not putting down anybody. Praise God for good hospitals and doctors and surgeries and all that kind of stuff. But my goodness, God Almighty, what kind of money, what kind of time, what kind of, what kind of stuff do you got to go through by going the world's way all the time when God had something better in place all the time? See, I'm trying to get this over to you. It's be like you deciding, well, we're going to be Amish. We're going to ride a horse to work and a buggy. You know, now I'm not making fun of the Amish, but that's going backwards. You, you don't have to settle for that mode of transportation. Uh, you, if you have the money, you could rent a plane or you could get a ticket and fly anywhere you want if you got the money. Of course, you've got to have the money, you know. But the point I'm making is, think, see what acceleration is available. And the Bible says that this earth's natural system in the world, the technology and everything that keeps updating itself, I saw uh, something on TV, and I know some of you, I think one of two or three of you showed me something. You have an iPad, I think it's called. It said by next year that they'll have 500 of those on the market. They do everything from flush your toilet back home for you to start your car to <laughs> call Aunt Nanny, I don't know, whatever. But here's my point. See, the natural world and all their technology is just a prototype, a shadow 
of what really is going on in the Spirit if we would pay attention to somebody that's teaching us. Faith for healing comes by hearing the word taught on healing. Period. (laughs) This is why in the church I grew up in, we never had many people healed. If they got it, they stumbled into faith on their own in some kind of personal time or some kind of private Bible study. And, uh, you know, some of us began to see that early on. I did as a little Baptist boy. I mean, you know, young man getting saved and realizing God's bigger than what they're telling me. I wasn't there to challenge the pastor, but we saw a guy get healed of uh, cancer in our home, one of our home groups, which the pastor endorsed us to have the meeting. Don't misunderstand me. But at the same time, you know, we just began to get a hold of the word for ourselves. We weren't hearing it from the front. It's hard to get it when you're on your own. Harder. And some people never did it. Because, you know, you don't get it unless you're taught. Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. And he was talking to the Pharisees, the most religious most knowledgeable of the Old Testament that there were and yet they didn't get it and Jesus showed up and they still didn't get it for the most part I was reading about you know Mr. Nicodemus who was just a a wonderful teacher Jesus called him master which meant teacher you're a teacher in Israel and you can't get a hold of what I'm telling you in other words what's the matter with you in other words I'm putting in my you don't even have a right to teach but he was so caught up in his religious system, his pharisaical ideas and his philosophy that had been impounded into him, established into him down to seminary at Jerusalem, he couldn't see beyond that. Jesus wasn't talking about healing there, but he's talking about new birth. But same, same thing, you have to see it before you can have it. See it by faith. Not in the natural. All right, I'm here in Matthew 14. Let's follow this passage here. and We're going to look at some other scriptures this morning, and then we'll come back tonight and finish this up maybe. But uh, Matthew 14, 34, and when they, they were gone over, this is Jesus in his entourage, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him. Now that phrase just stands out to me. You ought to underline it or mark it on your note. Had knowledge of him. Notice they had knowledge of Jesus before he got there. And they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. Notice the word all and all that were diseased. And they besought him, verse 36, that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. You ought to get a hold of that. They didn't just get healed. They got healed, but they got made whole. And they, they got made whole, but they got made perfectly whole. Man. <laughs> and as many as touch indicates that as many people as would respond in their faith to him, that, and they had knowledge. Now, this is what I'm dealing with today. They had knowledge of him. So this is why I'm talking about it. And the more I teach it, the more knowledge you have of him. And some already know this, but it won't hurt you to look at it again with me. They had knowledge of him. And they sent out into all the country. They didn't, they didn't make discriminatory, discriminatory remarks. They just, anybody that had anything wrong. See, I don't know how people can get so illogical that pride themselves on being smart. 
This is not, this is not rocket scientist. I'm not some kind of brilliant theologian. I'm just a man of God. But I'm, I'm not stupid either. And I understand what I'm saying to you. They went into the whole area and brought everybody that was sick. And not only did they get healed, they were made whole. Yeah, you know when Jesus healed uh, the leper over in another uh, the two the ten lepers over in Luke. I'm I'm going to stay here in Matthew a minute. And one of them came back to thank him, and it says he was his faith made him whole. In other words, the the ends of your members that get ate off with uh, leprosy, your ears, your nose, your fingers, tips, your toes, things like that. That was all restored. He was made whole. He didn't just get healed. He was made whole. Wow. And he was thankful. Hallelujah. Now let's go back here to Matthew 8. I'm, I, I'm just touching base with that passage in the 14th chapter to bring because we've been talking about it the last three services now, that as many as touched were made perfectly whole. So we could say this and deduct from that, if we'll pay attention and get knowledge of him, we also could be made perfectly whole. Chapter 8 of Matthew, starting in verse 1. When he, Jesus, was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Notice that, if thou wilt. Now, what needs to happen in this man's life is you've got to remove the if. See, you know, if, I, if the scriptures... You know, I can't convince you. I mean, I can preach to you and through the Word of God you'll get fully persuaded. But if I can't convince you it's God's will for you to have anything, you'll never have anything. Not much. Or you have what you have and you'll stay there or go backwards or something. But in the same with the realm of healing, I've got to, you have to let, you have to determine, I'm going to let the Word of God, this is me speaking for you and me too. I have to let the Word of God change my if to it's His will. And remove all the questions that I may have, even if I don't understand the fullness yet. But little by little, as the word is taught, I'm letting that if be removed out of my life. See, there's a, there's a little verse way, way back in Deuteronomy. We don't live in Deuteronomy. We live in Ephesians and Hebrews. I do. And, uh, but it says, to them way back then under a lesser covenant, it said you could have the days of heaven upon the earth. Well, if they could have the days of heaven upon the earth, they weren't born again. They didn't have the New Testament. They weren't in the blood of Jesus. They, didn't, they weren't spirit-filled to speak in other tongues. They did not understand, most for the most part, the gifts of the Spirit like we do and understand some things. My goodness, what could we do? Don't settle for a mediocre life with God. Now, some of you get irritated at me, and, and sometimes other people do, because I'm a reacher, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm reaching out there further and further and further, and I'm going to change some things up this year. So just get ready to adjust or be frustrated one or the other. <laughs> Not trying to frustrate anybody, but Dr. Summerall said, always be a reacher. The reason you can have longevity if you'll always be a reacher. Reaching out. And he said one time, whatever I'm doing for God right now, it's not near as great as what I'm going to do. I agree and concur. 
So let's just, just, we just moving with God here and moving all the ifs out of our life. And in the area of healing, see, the man knew Jesus had the power to do it, but that's not saying anything. You've got relatives, I do too. They go to church every week and they don't believe in the thing that we're saying here today. And if we try to bring it up, they want to fight us and argue verbally about it. And I just don't fool with them anymore. You want to be sick, stay sick. You want to go early, go early. I mean, I love you, but I, if you won't let somebody help you, then God can't help you. He's not coming back. He gave me a gift. He gave others a gift to share with you. And if you don't want it, you reject it, then I can't help you. <laughs> I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, Jesus couldn't do it. He couldn't change some people's thinking. He changed this guy's thinking. I mean, just one little encounter with Jesus. Jesus didn't say, turn to Ephesians and turn to Hebrews and turn where I'm going to have you turn. He just reached out his hand in verse 3 and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Just one little phrase from Jesus changed his if into, okay, bring it on. I'll take it. I'll receive it. I don't have to figure it all out. If you say yes, I say yes. If you say okay, I say okay. <laughs> you know, some people you preach this and then they go, well, I just don't know. I had an aunt one time and she loved the Lord. And Pastor Jacobs, Dr. Jacobs, she loved the Lord and went to church all the time, could pray heaven and earth smack together and died at 37 with cancer in the stomach. Well, that doesn't prove anything. That just proves she was a good prayer, but she wasn't a good receiver when it came to healing. I'm not putting Aunt down. I don't know how she, you know, and I don't know everything about her. I just know what the Bible says. Let the Bible remove all your ifs. Let the Bible settle it for you. My goodness. Let the Bible get in you, not Aunt so and so, Grandpa, and some other unbelieving preacher. I don't have answers for everything, but I do have answers that are clearly revealed in the Word. And it says right here in verse 3, And Jesus, this is the same Jesus we're serving. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, 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 I will. I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy took off. <laughs> Where to go, I don't know, don't care. Some people think about everything, wonder where it went. I don't know. Stay with me here. I will. Jesus, the same Jesus you say you love and he loves you and he does love you. And the reason I'm teaching this is because he does love you and he's already paid the price for you to be healed. <laughs> you know, I mean, we've already explained this to you. The gospel without healing is not the gospel. There's no such creature in the Bible. When you say you're preaching the gospel, it has to of necessity include healing because at the same time Jesus died on the cross to bear our sins he died on the cross to bear our sicknesses our diseases our pains our insecurities our mental quirks he paid the price for the whole man spirit soul body hallelujah and even financially he became poor that we might have a full supply See, and to separate that out is not being a good teacher of the Word. Remember, I, I, we talked about this just recently. I'm going to get on into my message here in just a second. In fact, let's turn over to Romans chapter 2 with me a minute before I say what I'm going to say. Romans chapter 2. We, we're going to look at a verse here, but here's the thing. It is God's will to heal you. 
And we found out when we, we studied this a week, or one of the three sessions we already covered in, in Acts 14. You could just write it down. I'm not going to turn there. Verse 7, in Acts 14, 7, it says, There they preached the gospel. That is, Paul and uh, Barnabas or Paul and Silas. Anyway, they were there preaching the gospel. And there was a man there impotent in his feet. He'd never walk. He was a crippled. His legs didn't work. Never had walked from his mother's womb. So we would say in our modern day he was an invalid or he was handicapped. However you want to put it, it doesn't matter to me, but he didn't function as a walker. And there they preached the gospel and he heard them speak. And what were they speaking? The gospel. And Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. You can't get faith to be healed unless healing's being taught and the gospel was being preached. So healing is a part of the gospel. My God, preaching better than you're... You need to catch up with me. And it's funny, you go around the town here and people got big signs out, gospel meeting. And I know that denomination doesn't teach healing. You're going to get it, you're going to go to the hospital and get it cut out, get it lasered out, get it sawed out. I don't know, something... And we're not against that. But see, that's to say they preach the gospel. We just, we need, the Bible's our pattern. Would you agree? And the book of Acts particularly is in the new covenant. <laughs> so when Paul and Silas were there preaching the gospel, healing was part of it. I'm not saying that's all there was, but it was definitely a part of the gospel. There's no such thing as the gospel apart from that. Now, the new birth's a part of the gospel, and being filled with the Spirit's part of the gospel, and the gifts of the Spirit are part of the gospel, and abundance is part of the But if you say, well, healing's not for us, or it's been done away with, who are you to separate out what you think the gospel is? That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty big of you, like you're on God's level now. You're going to tell somebody that's not part of the gospel. And people make fun of people like me that teach strong on healing. Like, we added something in, like... Like it's an addendum. It's not really not important, but we're going to add it in, you know. And, and we'll say things that make us sound spiritual like, well, I know God could. You haven't said anything. The sky is blue. Hello. The grass is green. Hello. This is a pulpit. Hello. See, that, that, see, I'm just bringing some truth to you to help our thinking here. I'm not making fun. I'm trying to help you to see when we talk about we are word and spirit people, what do we mean when we say we're word people? Well, we're gospel people. We believe in everything that Jesus has provided. It's not an addendum. It's not an addendum. And you go to try to find a place to park in these hospitals. I've been a pastor a long time, 35 plus years. And sometimes I have to go to the rooftop in a seven-story building to find a place to park to pray for some sick person in there. And, and we got all kinds of room in our parking lot. You, you see, you know, and the billions and billions of dollars spent on medication. And, oh, my God, TV's been taken over by ads on stuff. From hemorrhoids to the cough to... Everything you could imagine, all in all in one night. One time, I, they had a break at a at a, on the TV, and I counted nine commercials on medication. Just went one after another, after another, arthritis to, to to hemorrhoids to you know a cough to uh, you know all kinds of stuff, depression. And God said we can have a sound mind. See, that was included too. That wasn't an afterthought. Well, yeah, let's see if we can help them a little something about their head. 
Well, I could have got that from Valium. Just a little something for my head. I need something beyond just a little something to knock me into next day. I need something to make me sound today apart from medication. (laughs) I got a good head and it's kind of toasty. I'm high on the most high. But you've got to work at that and stay in that. And you know what I mean. It don't make you goofy like being high like people that drink and do things they ought not and put into their body. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be irre- you know, irreverent. But I'm talking about something serious here. Your body's important. Listen, let me ask you this question. If you get kicked out, where are you going to live? I'm not talking about your apartment. I'm talking about your body. If the devil makes you leave through sickness and disease or a tragedy or an accident, where are you going to live, baby? <laughs> You're gone. You've got to vacate this planet as far as the surface of it. You only got one body, and you ought to be thankful that you've got somebody teaching you about how to take care of your body. I'm thinking about doing some teaching on nutrition and other things messing with you, really messing with you then, meddling with you, exercise. Oh, my God. It does say it profits a little. It isn't the most important. Because, baby, you can eat all the broccoli and Brussels sprouts you want and get on your treadmill, and you can die because you don't think right. You're in strife with everybody. You're a mean person to be around. You've got an opinion about everything, and it is an edification to other people, and you're headed the wrong way. I don't care how much broccoli you put on your plate. Listen to me. I'm trying to help you live a long life. I've already taught that series, Longevity, or you can cut it short. I mean, that's up to you we'd miss you but if you guys go sooner we'll pat your wife and preach your funeral and get her another husband (laughs) that knows how to believe God better hallelujah same for the other way around you think I'm kidding you don't you but I'm not I'll be sweet about it but I'll do my best to help the ones that remain All right, Romans chapter 2 verse 11 Hallelujah. Look at this. Now, we found out it's God's will to heal us, right? Because we found out it's God's will to heal the leper. And let's take this verse into consideration with it. And I could have took you to James 2 or Acts 10, but I ended up in Romans 2, 11. And it says, for there is no respect of persons with God. So if there is no respect, actually the Greek says there's no partiality with God. If I will let the word remove all the ifs out of my life, and I will receive from Jesus the healing power like that leper did that day. And since he's the same, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then that means I I can be included in the healing. How many understand what I'm saying? If it's God's will to heal and he's not partial to anybody, then he doesn't say yes, yes, no. Now that person that, you know, people are thinking from the natural, looking at somebody and saying, well, they didn't get anything. Yeah, but there might be issues in their life that you know not of that's keeping that from happening. I don't have time to deal with this in depth now, but you've got to live right. You've got to live clean. You can't be out down at the boat gambling, and you can't be over at some hotel committing fornication, and you can't be watching dirty movies and expect to stay healed very long. You can't steal and lie and act any way you want and expect to stay well. You're not going to stay well. You can't be in strife and stay well. And that's, that's all, you know, all those other things are pretty evident. But how about strife or gossip? Or your critical opinion about something? 
that you know nothing of, but you're always shooting your mouth off about stuff. I'm just talking. Your words will mess you up. But now God, from God's standpoint, he's not partial to anybody. So that would mean if we lined up everybody on the planet from God's side to them, it's his will to heal them. Get a hold of this with me. God's will is to be well. He made a, listen, when you go back to creation and think about Adam, he wasn't running around like this with half an eye closed. Half a mouth of teeth. No, I'm not trying to make fun of people that have had struggles and different things like that, but when God made Adam, he didn't need healing. He wasn't sick. There wasn't even any germs here <laughs> on the planet till Adam, till Adam got involved with the devil. Then the law of sin and death came into operation. The animals went berserk, started eating each other. You know, and the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, later on, somewhere in the new heaven, new earth, animals lie down together, the lion and the lamb. You might see a little weirdness on TV once in a while about a couple animals hanging out in the same lot right now, but you won't see that in the wild typically. Is they going to eat you? If they're stronger and they're hungrier <laughs> and you look like dinner. See, I'm trying to show you how, see, but we're talking about God's will. You have to be convinced God's will is to get you well. Say, God's will, God's will. is to get me well. And to keep me well. And to give me wisdom and understanding and knowledge of how to maintain that. See, now that'll come in place somewhere down through there. Like one preacher said one time, God didn't get you healed just so you could watch more TV. <laughs> or go on more vacations. You ought, we ought to be thankful if we've ever been healed of anything. And begin to use whatever we have to bless humanity and to help people with what we know. Praise the Lord. Now let's go back to Hosea. You still with me? I hope you're, you're listening because I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help best I can. Hosea 4, let's look at this a minute. We're talking right now, this section of the teaching, and I'm going to get move ahead here in just a second, that... When they had knowledge of God, they could be healed. We found out it is His will to heal us. That's the first piece of information every person must know. It's God's will to heal me. See, you know, I could go... And, and you know, people are kind of smart, Alec, when it comes to people like me. And maybe I sound a little aggressive sometimes. I don't know if I do, but... <laughs> That's a joke. You could laugh. Of course I am. I'm intense sometimes. Because people make stupid comments like, well, now, Pastor Jacobs, Dr. Jacobs, you believe in him, just go down there to Floyd Memorial. Well, first of all, they didn't ask me to come. And secondly, if you're such a hot rod and you believe that salvation's real, why don't you go down there and get them all saved? Get them born again. Well, and I'll tell you why you don't. First of all, you're not invited. Second of all, if you went, you'd probably be removed by security. Eventually, you'll hit somebody's room that's a Jehovah's Witness, and they're going to call the nursing station, and they're going to take you out. And then thirdly, even if they gave you a free reign to talk to all the students, all the students, all the patients, <laughs> get on the loudspeaker. Not everybody's going to receive Jesus because God doesn't just push himself off on people for them to be born again. They have to be willing to receive him. 
This is a love connection. This is a love covenant. <laughs> and so it is for healing. I can't make somebody get healed if they want it, don't want to be it. They don't want to be healed. You know, sickness can be a habit just like anything else in your life. I'm going to be a little stronger with you. Hang on. Buckle up, buckaroo. Some people don't want to get healed. They just want attention. Some people don't want to get healed when they come see me. They just want my time. They want to tell me their, their life of woe. Well, your life of woe and telling me about it, I, I mean, I could sit and listen, I guess, if I had time. I don't. But if I did have time, you'd still go back, not only like you were, worse because now that you've rehearsed all your troubles and who did what to you and why your life is so screwed up, you've just established yourself that you've got a screwed up life again after you've already told a thousand people that for the last 20 years, now you just said it all again while you're... And then that doesn't help you. You're not getting anywhere out of that. You know, we want to get you from glory to glory, to glory, to faith, to faith. <laughs> We're not mad at people. We're trying to help people think. I'm trying to help people. We got a lot of people that listen, but I don't know if they're thinking. I like to think about my father and my father God and what all he's done for me and how that fits. And when I find a scripture, it looks like they made him the heavy. I always remember 1 John 4, and we'll talk about that tonight. God is love, and he ain't never changed. So something needs to be interpreted correctly when we look at passages that makes God the heavy. And believe me, like we said a while ago, if God wanted you sick... If he wanted you sick, now just listen to me. If he wanted you sick, number one, you would be a violator of God's will to go to the doctor, take medicine, or do anything to alleviate anything. And not only that, if God wanted you sick, there ain't no doctor on this planet could heal you. <laughs> no way, baby. If God Almighty wanted you sick. No, it's the devil that wants you sick. He wants to impair you. He wants to slow you down. I'm not saying good medical treatment if you need it. I have an eye doctor, an ear doctor. You know that I go to if I need help. and We're not putting that down. But I realize too it's God's will to make me well. Hallelujah. You get older, you can't run like you did when you was 13 or 16. That doesn't mean you're sick. It just means you're older. Your hair turns a different color. Stuff starts sagging here and there. <laughs> Unless you get it propped up or sucked out or whatever. Or you're a super exercise like Jack LaLanne or whatever his name is. Is that his name? Huh? Yeah, you know, the old guy. <laughs> it looks like a young guy. <laughs> the juicer guy, you know. He got juicer commercials. Anyway. You still here? We're talking about God's wills to make you whole make you well, make you live a good life in the planet. Praise the Lord. Now look here at, at, at Hosea 4 in verse, in verse, uh, verse 6. My people, this would be covenant people in that day too. They're not in our covenant, but still it's a similar thing principle-wise. My people, Hosea 4, 6, are destroyed. Now he's not the destroyer. He's telling, going to tell us how they get destroyed. For lack of knowledge... Lack of knowledge. Notice that, lack of knowledge. You know, somebody said, well, well we, you know, 
Somebody might say, well, you know, so-and-so, they were believing God for healing and they died. And what's the problem? Well, I don't know unless God would show me. But one thing I know for sure, they didn't have enough knowledge. Or is this going to go on and say, they rejected knowledge and I'm going to reject them. Isn't that what it says? Now, that doesn't mean that if you reject healing that God doesn't love you as a son and a daughter or that he wouldn't receive you to heaven, but you'll beat the rest of us there if you get sick enough that it takes you out of your body. You get, es- you get removed from your body. See, we've got to learn that we're going to stand against sickness and disease just like we would other things we know is not good for us. Isn't that right? You know, I practically got to beat the waitresses back off of our table at half the restaurants in town because uh, they want to serve us a wine. Would you like, a, you know, this or that and another? And no, no, thank you. I'd just like some water. Well, we got them half price. I'm not interested, thank you. Or they throw that drink calendar, calendar, you know, thing on the table. I say, well, we won't need that. And they look at me like I'm weird. Well, we got margaritas for half price. I don't care if you're giving them away, baby. I don't want one, sweetheart. Just bring me some water. Can you do that? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. See? A lot of preachers and a lot of people and a lot of churches, they're, they're getting very liberal about a lot of things. And it's creating destruction into the people's lives. See, you need to put a value on the fact that I'm doing my best to put a standard for you. Now, if you don't like it and you don't want it, that's on your side. But I want to do my best to put a standard on it and say, if you live like this, it's going to bring destruction. It's going to bring damnation. You're going to bury your children. You're going to have a problem. You're going to get divorced. You can't live like that and have God's blessings. And that's just, and I hate to be so elemental with people, but I need to say that because some, all kinds of people show up here at all different levels, and especially the young ones, I have an opportunity to impress something into them. Some of the older ones will listen too, but I mean, some may already be set in their ways, their carnal ways. So he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's a terrible thing to get destroyed for a lack of knowledge. This is why, you know, I know people have heard me teach on him. This is why I'm going back over there. It's so vital that we realize we don't have to be sick. Because probably if you live long enough on this planet, sickness and disease or some kind of thing is going to try to come knock on your door. And you need to know how I'm going to take a stand against this. I know that's not in God's plan. You need to go to quick care, go. I went a while back. So we're not putting down doctors and medicine and all that. Don't get over that. But I'm teaching the Bible here. This is, this is what I'm teaching. And I had not been to anything like that for a long time because I've been walking in, in some strength. But I just got run down and I had something attack my body. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. But I know that's not God's plan. That's, not, that's on, on God's side. That was on my side. Hallelujah. Anybody still here? Let's go, let's go to Ezekiel 34. I'm, I'm going to close this up in just a few minutes here, but this is important information for you to have, not to use against other people. I don't mean it like that. Not to be argumentative and cantankerous. I don't ever bring this up. If I go back and see my brothers and sister, I don't ever bring this up unless they would ask me, you know. Hello. Hello. 
I mean, I've said all I needed to say in days gone by, and it just ended up an argument and stuff. I'm not about to do that no more. If somebody really is hungry and they say, you know, I want to ask you a question. I'm not going to argue with you. I want you to, I'll give you time to, you know, share your heart. Then that'd be a different deal altogether. But You know, I don't know. People get upset about the silliest stuff. I don't get it. I, I just think people are crazy sometimes, the way they think. I went out and had pizza with a friend of mine that ridiculed me uh, that I had known back when I was back wherever I came from, my state. And we both loved God together, our family and their family, and we were close and we were all moving ahead with God. And then something got a hold of him, a devil got a hold of his mind. And I came to Bible school and seminary and came back home for a weekend and went and had pizza with him. And he sat down. We were trying to eat some pizza. And he said, I think, and he's married now with two children. He said, I think I, think I want the girl in the choir. I said, what? What are you talking about? And he said, well, I like this girl in the choir. I said, I won't mention his name. I'll just call him Tim. That's not his real name. I said, Tim, you're married with two children. What's the matter with you? I'm going to take you out in the parking lot. Let me go out. Let's go out to the car. I'll cast the devil off of you. you something's got a hold of your mind. You're not right. Well, I am, and I'm not going to let you pray for me. I said, well, you're, in, you're headed for trouble. Make some kind of crazy statement. You like the girl in the choir. You're married. You've got children. You're going to forfeit it all. You're going to tear it all up, man. You're going to tear it to you know where if you don't listen to me. Well, he didn't like that. He got real indignant. I'm not letting you pray for me, Michael. I don't even think he called me Michael. He'd probably called me Mike. No respect. No respect for God. No respect for a man of God trying to help him. See, now that's something you can get upset about. You know, if I'm ever at lunch with you and you make a comment like that, I'm going to jump across the table before you tell me I can't and say, Come out! Just so you know that. If you want to embarrass yourself, tell me you like somebody in the choir and I'll cast the devil out of it. Unless that person's your wife. I won't wait the next time. I was just learning some of that back then, you know. I was a little maybe insecure. But I did my best and he still forfeited it got a disease, gave the disease to his wife, tore her up physically as well as emotionally and mentally. We've seen her since. Tore his family up. His son just recently passed away. His daughter has some kind of dreaded disease in her body. Her mother told me that because I called him because they lost their son within the last year of an overdose and made fun of me that I was too turned on to God. You just want to talk about Jesus all the time. Well, that's not true. We went to the park and had a picnic. We talked about Jesus some, but I ate some. <laughs> but now I'm sitting with a family member of my family in the last year, you know, just sitting, eating my lunch, having a good time, eating our salads. And all of a sudden they looked up and said, well, I just want you to know there's no sin in going to the doctor. <laughs> I thought, who, who drugged their salad? What happened here? I said, well, I never said it was. We weren't even talking about healing. Uh, I mean, just out of the blue. Now, now, see, now this is what I'm saying. Why would a normal, rational person attack me over teaching on healing when I happen to know they're very sick? 
I said to them, well, I never said you couldn't go to a doctor. I don't teach that. But Jesus did say those that are whole need not a physician. How about a little verse on it? You know what I mean? And I just said it in about that tone. Then they just went back to eating their salad, so so did I. And paid for their lunch. I did. Because I'm merciful. Hallelujah. Attack me at lunch for no reason. See, see, I'm trying to show you. That other setting, I was trying to help somebody not go down the wrong way that I knew. I don't think you see it like I do, but see, I love those people, that couple. I knew them when they were baby Christians. And then I seen them get married, and I saw them have babies, and, and we were close to them at that period. And I just knew you're going to tear this thing wide open, man just because you're selfish and you're lustful. There's no reason to do that. no reason to go that way. A devil's got a hold of your mind. I said, if you won't let me pray for you, go to your pastor and tell him what you're thinking. Let him help you. He was a Pentecostal preacher. This guy got out of the Baptist, went to a Pentecostal church at this time, Church of God or something, you know, whatever. And see, he didn't listen. I had every right to be disturbed about that. But here I'm just eating, eating lunch, and that's not attacking somebody over healing. When you're sick, that's about, is that not smart or what? You know, the guys at the, the, at the exits, you know, with their little signs, when you stop to give them a dollar, they say, no, I don't believe in prosperity. Would you think, no, you're crazy. You got a sign, you know, I need money and I'm handing you some money. Now you're going to fight me. But the problem is you don't have any money to go eat. (laughs) And normally I don't do that. But recently I was at a street corner and there was an elderly man and the Lord said, give him some money. So I gave him three or four dollars. And I saw him headed down the street there to maybe someplace where he could get him a little Chick-fil-A or something later. Are you listening to me? We're talking here about something important to us, about the fact that when we have knowledge of Jesus, we can be healed every single time. Now, let's read here in Ezekiel 34. I want to show you something here that's important to us. Because, you know, I'm a shepherd. I'm operating in the shepherd's office maybe, you know, today and teaching and shepherding you, feeding you, the pastor here. And it says, verse 1, Ezekiel 34, And the word of the Lord came unto me, unto Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, or the pastors of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherd feed the flocks? That's what I'm doing right now with you. You eat the fat, and you clothe you with the wool, you kill them, that are fed, but you feed not the flock. The diseased, now remember he's prophesying against them, the diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick. So here is a rebuke from God Almighty to the pastors because they weren't bringing a healing message to the sick. I don't know how somebody could feel like they're you know, a competent pastor and not study healing and bring some healing revelation. Now, they may not have a, you know, an endowment for healing. They might not know a lot about the gifts of the Spirit, but just common sense. 
if they're studious. Isaiah 53, every, every Bible student in the world, even good sheep that know their Bible, know Isaiah 53 is talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And it says, not only did he lay on him the iniquity of us all, he laid on him the sicknesses and diseases and pains of us all. Right in the same chapter. Right in the same place. See, God is upset with the shepherds for not being able to strengthen the people that are sick and diseased and not bring healing. Now, they're not bringing the healing themselves like they're the healer. That's not what that's saying. But to preach it and feed. feed. That's what I'm doing. I'm feeding you. I'm feeding you. See, there should never, ever, when you sit in a church like this over several uh, weeks when we're teaching a subject, there should never, ever be, I don't care if you live to be 110, never, ever again be a thought, it's not God's will to make me well. Hallelujah. We should get that settled and we should realize and, of course, again, appreciate the fact. I don't want you personally to appreciate me. I just want you to appreciate the principle that your shepherd is teaching you that maybe are weak in some area or have had disease in some area. I'm not putting people down. I'm trying to help you to be healed, to be strengthened, to be well, to be strong, to be whole. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Job chapter 2 a minute. I've got two or three scriptures. I'm going to run over these quickly. Job chapter 2. Here's my last couple scriptures with you. Uh, Job 2 and verse 7. I want to look at some scriptures just quickly. I won't do a lot of teaching because my time's getting away. But I want to show you who the author, who the author is of sickness and disease. I want you to see it from your Bible. Now, we know from studying the Bible, I know from studying my Bible, that the Bible teaches me that the Bible says, and I'm in Job 2, and I'm going to read verse 7 in a minute, but in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says, In the mouth of two or more witnesses, let every word be established. So that says to me that, that if God's teaching me something, He ought to give me at least two or three witnesses throughout the Scriptures to confirm and endorse and be together that indicate the same thing. You've heard me teach on angels, some of you. And I've said to him, you know, he talk, I was reading in Genesis one day and he showed me something about that, about angels all, don't all live in heaven. And that, that was all new to me 25 years ago. And so I said to him, because I knew now I'd come into some revelation that I'm in a new covenant. And that new covenant was not activated until Jesus paid the price and went to hell and rose from the dead and was seated at the right hand of the Father. It took all of that to cut the new covenant. So I know that didn't take place until the book of Acts and beyond. That's after Jesus rose back from the dead, took his blood and all that so forth and so on. You listening? So I said to him, okay, if this is true, what I'm getting by revelation from you, Father, out of Genesis, I want you to give me two or three more scriptures and one of them has to be over in the letters, which is even beyond Acts, you know, Romans to Revelation. And, of course, he said, I'll do you one better. I'll give you four scriptures. I went, well, okay, here we go. So when we talk about things, it's important that we have, if it's, if it's really God, it's going to make sense all the way through. You know, I was watching. I, 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 I got to admit, I get disturbed. And I guess I just need to not watch it. 
I get disturbed watching that stupid history channel with the theologians. The other day we were on there and they were talking about hell. And then and, and these guys are like PhD from such and such theological seminary. I mean, these are not third graders. You know, these are not baby Christians. Well, they are babies, I guess, but, you know, they're older people, but they're still babies. And, well, we really just don't know about hell. That's kind of in the imagination of different trains of thought. Everything was, I don't know. I just said, you liar. You're a poor excuse for a guy with a doctorate. I have a doctorate, and I know more than that. Hell is a real place. It's a place of torment. I haven't been there. I'm not going. But I can read my Bible. And I mean, you know, just on and on they go, and they talk like they really got it all figured out, and they don't even make sense. I don't understand how people can get so intellectual and get so stupid. I don't think it's the intellectualism. I think it's the devil confuses them, but they don't believe the Bible. I mean, every, practically every show I've ever tried to watch on there, they, I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that guy said that and that lady said that. And these are prestigious seminaries that I'm aware of in my own country that produce preachers constantly. <laughs> oh my God. God help us all. I mean, you know, I, I, get, I do study. I get back in the Hebrew and the Greek New Testament, different things, and do my work. And, and I mean, it's not that hard. It's hard work on my flesh sometimes, but, I mean, if people really have a heart to learn and grow. And so what I'm saying, that's to say, they take some isolated scripture over in some, some area where it brings confusion. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses do, the Unitarians do, all the rest of them like that. Yeah, I said it. I'm probably going to do some teaching on weirdness later in this year. Cults. Yeah. And then I saw they were doing an exorcism. Oh, that, you talk about irate. And I thought, well, no wonder it takes you so long. You're not even using the name of Jesus. You know, they got people strapped down. They got all this going and different things. And they got a cross on them and they holy water and unholy water. And I don't know, kick them in the seat of the pants. What is wrong with our humanity anymore? Why, you know, you don't, that's not what the Bible teaches. Maybe what some churches teach is not what the Bible teaches. Because Jesus personally taught me about dealing with devils and told me how to do it. No, I'm not making fun of the people that are sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. They're sincerely wrong. <laughs> Life is not that complicated, my friends. I don't encourage you to watch the History Channel if they're doing stuff like this. It'll, it, it'll, make you, it'll rattle you unless you know what you believe. <clears throat> anyway, praise the Lord. I'm trying to get through this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just trying to help us to see. You know, this, I'm a focus person. And you, make, you shoot your mouth off in a comment like that about hell or, or exorcism, then, then I want you to back it up with what you're saying with scriptures.
And sometimes, you know, I have a glimmer of hope somebody's going to be on there that's intelligent and that knows their Bible. They know their church doctrine, but they don't know their Bible. It don't take all that. It takes faith in God and a hatred uh, for evil and for the devil and dealing with it, binding whatever needs to be bound, loosening whatever needs to be loose, rebuking what needs to come out. It's just not that complicated. Hallelujah. All right, I'm in Job 2 and 7. Let's see here what happened to Job. We know he got into fear, but here's what I want you to see, Job 2 and 7. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Who, who smote him with the sickness? Satan. All right, just wanted to settle that. I got a whole teaching. It's in the uh, bookstore, and you can buy it from me if you like later. I got one on Paul Thorne and Job together. But we, it'd take an hour to unravel. But I'm just showing you, it tells you right there, Satan's the one that did it. Satan's the one that did it. You know, even when the man brought his uh, wife's, I'm sorry, his, hus- his father's wife to church and was living with her, sleeping with her, it says that they decided to turn him over, Paul did, uh, to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. So who's the destroyer of flesh? Satan. Satan. All right, let's go to Luke 13 here. You with me still? I know I've, re- I've kind of went around the globe today, haven't I? We're talking about having knowledge of Jesus as our healer. So we can see, first of all, from Job, now we're moving to Luke 13, verse 10 and following, that it's the devil that brings sickness and disease. I didn't say the person was evil that had the sickness and disease, but it's the devil's the author of it. If God is love, and James 1 also says, that's in 1 John, but James says that every good gift comes from the Father, how can you get sickness and disease out of a good gift? I mean, even Jesus in his teaching, you know, back in the Gospels, he said, if your son asked you for a loaf of bread, you wouldn't feed him a scorpion. I mean, what would you think of the news? And somebody probably does stuff like that somewhere. I know a guy in Chicago put his kids in a little cage like a dog, and they busted his boots of honey, put him in jail. I hope he's still there. But the point I'm making is, you know, Jesus said even evil people don't do stuff like that. How much more your heavenly father? See, he, he, he's, a, he's a good God. In other words, he's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to heal you, make you whole, make you well, make you sound. Hallelujah. What a loving father we have. Every good gift. If I sent a letter out with anthrax to all the members of the church, what would you think of me? You'd think pastors went crazy. Yeah, and rightfully so to expose people to a deadly germ. I would never do that, but I'm just trying to point something out here. I'm I'm trying to show you. See, every good we got to get this settled. God is not the author of sickness and disease and pain and, and all the negative things like that that go along with humanity today. We need to understand that. I said we need to understand that. I appreciate, I value, I really do. Listen to me sincerely. I am not a liar. I appreciate all the doctors who've went to school for many, many years. I put in my time, too, to go to school for God. Not only just to seminary, but all my life. And still doing it. 
I appreciate doctors that give their time because they're very busy people. I do. And I appreciate all the things they've discovered about different diseases and how they can help, and I'm not against any of it if it's legit and it can really help humanity. I'm all for it. But when I went down with her husband, Jacob, to the doctors, the radiologist, and the chemotherapist, head doctors over those departments, very educated, very intelligent people in their field of medicine, and they started on us about this is God doing this. We spoke up and said, now wait. You might be a good doctor, but you're a poor theologian. I'm the pastor, and you're the doctor. I will listen to you. We will listen to you earnestly because we heard you're the best in your field. But do not, and I repeat, do not try to tell us that this is God in any form or fashion again. Or we will just leave. And that's fine. If you want to talk like that, we'll just leave and go somewhere else. But we came to you because we heard you're the best medically. Don't try to play theologian with me. And this is one of my sheep. So what's it going to be? All right. I said, okay, proceed. Yeah. Yeah, because see, see... just because a person's an expert in one field. You know, I'm not a nuclear physicist. You do know that, don't you? And I don't work over at the plant, you know, where they, where they split electrons and all that kind of stuff. I don't know anything about that much. I'm not trying to be an expert in an area I don't know anything about. But in this area, I do know something. I know how humans think. I know how the Lord thinks. I know how the devil thinks. And I know how people get it all mixed up. Because of what they've been taught. I'm sure that the guy and the guy in the chemo thing did the very same thing to us. <laughs> I don't know why he thought he had to try to pretend to be spiritual when he was stupid. Theologically. I mean, he wouldn't let me run over and just grab any fit, you know, needle, and say, here, let's try this, see if this works. They'd have me arrested for that because I'm not licensed to do that. And I don't know what all those chemicals mean. He wouldn't let me in his chemical room. I'm sure about that. Well, just go in here and pick something out, Pastor Jacobs. Whatever you pick, we'll shoot it in him. Well, I'm not going to let you shoot your mouth off and shoot anything into him verbally that shouldn't be shot. Back up off me, buddy. Get off my grill. I'll turn that fan loose on you. I was polite, but I was firm, and we meant it. And Jacob was endorsing everything, too. We were in agreement. We're not going to put up with that. And then even after it was all said and done and we got a miracle and got it proven on film, he said, well, I guess you boys would say you got a miracle, the chemo guys. Yeah, that's what we'd say. Da-da, you're smart, man. <laughs> we like you. You're really sharp. Hallelujah. Luke 13. I don't know where I went with this, but I kind of like it today. You say, Pastor, you're being mean. No, when you listen to things like that, it'll affect you after a while. You start now. I I believe both these doctors, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they go to church somewhere or they wouldn't even brought God up. They might have said Buddha does this or, you know, Abba or something. I don't know, whatever they believe in. But they said God. They brought that up like it's God's will and God does this to, you know. 
Hold it. <laughs> Please. Let me be the theologian, you just be the doctor. Let's get an agreement here. You're the doctor, I'm the theologian. This is my sheep. He's going to be your patient, but he's still my sheep theologically. He's not your sheep. You want to talk medicine? We're all ears. We'll be attentive. We respect you as a doctor. Can't respect your comment there about what is God and what's not God from the Bible. Hello? You listening to me? All right. Let's look here. Luke 13. I'm trying to get to it. You won't let me. I'm teasing you. Verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. Eighteen years was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. So this spirit had affected her spinal column and bent her over and she couldn't stand up straight. And uh, it says, when Jesus saw her, verse 12, he called her to him and said, her woman, you're loose from your infirmity, laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Notice when she got healed, she glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue, verse 14, answered with indignation. He's hot. He's mad. He's critical. Because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Now, come on, folks. What is the matter with this guy? He's supposed to be the pastor in the sense of he's over that synagogue. These are people under his care. And he's ticked off that this lady got healed. What does that say? What did we just read in Ezekiel? All right, let's read on. And he, and he said to the people, Now, wait a minute. There's six days in which you ought to come and get healed. I mean, you, you, six days in which men ought to work and in them come and be healed and not on the Sabbath. She'd been coming there for 18 years and hadn't gotten anything. Well, you talk about backtracking. Talk about trash talking. Talk about a confused man. And the Lord answered him, verse 15. Uh-oh, here it comes. Thou hypocrite. See, now, 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 I was nicer than that. I didn't call those doctors hypocrites. I say, what in the world are you in the healing ministry for when you're telling me that God put it on them? Hypocrite. Think about it. I wasn't that mad. I wasn't that mean. I just said, you have no right to speak into this man's life theologically. You are not his pastor. So... Just stop or we'll just leave, whatever. I mean, we'll find somebody else if you don't want to handle it on that basis, but that's the way it's going to be handled. We're not receiving that. We don't believe that. We don't endorse that. We don't agree with that. We said all that. You can ask Jacob. Of course, it didn't take a long debate because they were offended initially that their doctors, you know, talked to me like that. Well, you talk to me like God's my... He's my destroyer. Here's a man that's dealing with four-stage cancer. You just told us can't even be operated on. You're going to shoot him full of all kinds of drugs. You know, later in the conversation, he said, if you were 27, it'd kill you. 57, it'd kill you. But because you're young, we're going to try this experimental drug. You'll never have babies. You'll never have uh, saliva anymore when we're done with you, if you live. Now, who's the hypocrite? You know, man, what do you expect? Oh, sure, go ahead, put it on me. I want all you got. And telling me that God did it to me. That's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? Why, if God put it on him, would I be here trying to get it off? 
I know I'm a little rough today, but I'm not near as rough as Jesus. He called them vipers and snakes and asps. He said, you hypocrite. Wow. I'm sure his face got red. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall, that's his work animals, and lead them away to watering? In other words, take them out of the work setting into a place where they could get refreshed. And he was giving us an insight. When we come to church, we ought to be able to be refreshed and encouraged and get a cold drink of water from God. And not not this woman, verse 16, being a daughter of Abraham, a covenant woman, a covenant girl, whom Satan hath bound. Notice that. Lo, these 18 years be loose from this bondage on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Praise God. Can you see it? That's our second witness. First of all, it said uh, Satan smote Job. Now it says that the devil bound this lady. Let's go to Acts 10.38. This is my last scripture, I promise. I had them all three written out already. Acts 10.38. And we're looking at three references to give us enough credibility from the scriptures. Because as I said earlier, the Bible says in the mouth of two or more witnesses, let everything be established. Hallelujah. You know, I'm not mad at people. I know you might think I am, but I, am, I, have to, I have to do my part to defend what's right and help people to see what the Bible really teaches without compromise. What kind of, what kind of man of God would sit there with his own sheep and say, oh yeah, we believe that too. We sure hope you can get this off of him. See, that, that doesn't even make sense mentally. That logically, that doesn't even make sense. Sometimes we just don't know any better and we just throw anything in the mix that sounds spiritual. Naturally, Jacob and I, and probably Jessica too, as she found out about it later, and they, you know, were maybe having some feelings for each other or whatever. I mean, we were all agreeing and believing for... God to use whatever they were doing to help him get to the other side of that and live and not die. And now we got two little babies running around here. And saliva. Right? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No, I mean, if we just all learn we're all on the same team, that'd be great, you know. I would have never, we would have never had to respond like that had it been a different setting. I'm so glad you boys came. We're going to use our faith with you. Hey, Doc, let's take hands. Let's agree together. Now, look, it would have been a different, different environment right then instead of intense like that. <laughs> then we got out of that and drove down the street and got in another situation. <laughs> wow. I didn't know humans were that confused over here in Louisville. Wow. <clears throat> Probably go to first church. All right, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, same Jesus we're talking about all through this service, with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So what do we see? Third, third witness there, this is Luke writing that, but he's reporting on how the anointing of God was on Jesus and the Holy Ghost was flowing through Jesus. We got all of them, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, all pitted against sickness and disease. And that disease and oppression, which he said was 
healing, doing good and healing, so the sick were oppressed by the devil. The literal Greek there says that word oppression means to be weighed down in body or mind. So it could be mental issues, it could be other emotional, it could be physical issues, whatever. So let's stand up together. Praise the Lord. And if you're in need of healing this morning, would you please come and stand down here? Let me ask Jessica to come a minute and let's sing this song.